0: and welcome to another episode of 28 Days Later, your weekly brunch date where we discuss all things uh, spooky, bloody, and feminist. I'm Sophie, joined as always by my beautiful co-host and younger sister, Hannah. Hello. (laughs) Hannah, you sound a little bit different than uh, you usually do in our (laughs) intro. What's uh, going on?
1: That is the sound of me being really hungover right now. <laughs> Literally laying on the floor on a blanket in a bathrobe with a pillow. <laughs> I feel like this is sort of
0: very fitting because this is our first episode of 2020. Um and as no, such don't the... say that. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not what I mean. I'm not saying that's what, what you your year is gonna be like. Year? No, no. <laughs> but because it's the first episode of the new year, we are gonna be discussing something that is uh very very uh graciously being deemed by me to be horror adjacent even though it's really not in any way um
1: but it's i feel right the title came out in october I f- right i just Close feel enough.
0: like we get uh there's this beautiful thing where i talked to you pre-recording hannah that like um hannah is is in her 20s and i am a very newly minted in my 30s and unlike hannah who is Brag. feeling feeling uh Less than great because she had a fun night last night. I was asleep by 11. Uh, I went to bed sober. I got eight hours of sleep. But it is Saturday morning and I am now drunk. So um, <laughs> it's going to be a great episode. We're at very opposite ends of the spectrum. It's going to be fun.
1: I'm trying to drink LaCroix, but it's hard because I'm laying down.
0: Yeah, I just <laughs> finished a mug of um, boozy hot chocolate. So
1: Whoa, what did you put
0: in it? Bailey's and whiskey.
1: Ooh, Nice.
0: Yeah, I don't mess around. Here's the thing about turning 30. You have learned so many things that you can use to your advantage that it's just like uh, a delightful roller coaster ride in the best way where you have the uh, controls. It's great.
1: I literally feel like I just started my period (laughs) in my body and also like in my brain.
0: (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Um, well, Hannah, why don't you tell us a little bit about your new year's because we are, as I said in the intro in 2020 now, it's a, it's a new decade and the world is still here.
1: Uh, well, I was in Austin, Texas, visiting my best friend for new year's, um, which was fun, but a little different cause usually I'm in Chicago for that. Um, so it was the first year in like, I think like three years I wasn't in Chicago,
0: Probably the first year in three years that you didn't need to, like, get in a really cute dress and then bundle up in 17 million layers to go outside. (laughs)
1: Yeah, which was actually really funny because it was, like, 50 degrees outside and everyone in Austin was like, it's so cold. And I was like, I don't even need a jacket. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I had, as you know, because I called you uh, in a panic, I had, like, a minor... uh, freak out, uh, when I was getting ready, which was just that I had not been home in like two weeks. I had been traveling and I was wearing, you know, living out of a suitcase for like two weeks. So when I actually got to the, like when it came time to get dressed to go out for new year's, I kind of started freaking out. um, I mean, I feel like it's probably something you can relate to where you all of a sudden feel like everything you own is terrible and nothing looks good. and Yeah,
0: I'm sure that people listening to this have had that experience where it's like, oh, why, why did I buy any of these clothes? They're all hideous and terrible.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like, ah, nothing fits me and I hate everything and every mirror is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I... Had, like, all these different cute outfits planned and all these ideas, and at the end of the night, I, or when it all came down to it, I just ended up putting on, like, a really big t-shirt and some boots because I was, like, really over it at that point, which was kind of a bummer, um, but I called you, and that was helpful, Uh, but I also... I hope it was, because I was also hanging
0: out and drinking for New Year's, and I could not tell if I was being helpful or not.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was funny, because when I called you, you were kind of like... Uh, at first, you were like, What? You're beautiful. Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, no, Sophie, really, it's bad. And you were like, oh, (laughs) uh, wait, hang on. (laughs) Um, but the one thing that I did last year, which I then did this year, and I feel like maybe it's a new tradition, is I wore a wig, and I always feel a little bit better in a wig, so I think my wig helped me, although I also called and left a video message, which I didn't even know was possible. Like, I don't even know how I figured out how to do that, but I left a video message uh, for my friend telling him that my wig (laughs) looked horrible. (laughs) Oh, no. And I wish I could play it. If we could figure out a way to, like, clip it in here, it is is pretty funny because my voice is just at such a low register. (laughs) And I'm just like, hey. (laughs) This is my wig. I literally am like, this wig makes me look the worst I've ever looked. And then... (laughs) I just go. You're welcome. <laughs> that's it, the whole video. <laughs> um. So yeah, that was pretty much my New Year's, and then I spent New Year's Day watching Broad City, which brought me a lot of joy.
0: Oh, that's delightful.
1: Um, I uh, my
0: partner and I spent New Year's with friends of ours who have a one and a half year old. So, um we got there and they live on the east coast so was we the only one and a half year old with you
1: or was yeah he was with, with
0: us i mean he went to bed at a certain point he didn't like was he hang the out drunkest out of all of you <laughs> <laughs> he did not party with us but uh he had a thimble uh, full
1: of whiskey and he was crazy leonard
0: went to bed in appro- at an appropriate hour so we were um seeing our friends and we because they live on the east coast now we only see them a couple times a year so the last time we saw them their son was like five months old and now he's a year and a half and he can walk around and he's talking. And so that was really fun. The, they live, they're renting a house. That's a two bedroom house um, that like a little small kind of cottage house that has a guest house, like a little one room guest cottage behind it. So Jeremy and I were staying back there. So it was really nice because we kind of, everybody hung out with their son. And then once they put him to bed for the evening, we all went back to where Jeremy and I was staying Uh, So that that way we didn't wake him up um, and hung out back there. And we had a really nice, uh, we had a really nice New Year's. I decided that the way that I wanted to uh, make my transition into 2020 uh, for better or worse was that within our group of friends, there was a sort of like a weird meme created this year where there was a Snapchat going around between our entire group of friends all over the country where... Everyone was sending each other Snapchats of uh, themselves chugging eggnog. So I felt like I wanted to. Ew, win. I can't
1: believe you just said the words chugging eggnog to oh, me. Oh, Hannah, you're going to get so
0: upset here in a second. So um, <laughs> I started New Year's by chugging half a gallon of eggnog with whiskey in it out of the truck. Oh, God. <laughs> um, our our dear friend Stan videotaped it for posterity and had to take two videos because he didn't think I was going to drink the whole thing, so he stopped videotaping at one point. And then he was like, oh, she's still going. Oh, um, no. So January 1st was a little rough in the morning. I was just, like, full of eggs um, and pretty hungover. But um, <laughs> I can't believe that we made it this far into the episode, and I have yet to give out a shout-out to my very dear friend Jose and a friend of the podcast Who is an artist living out in LA? And he, after listening to our episodes, was uh, inspired, one might say. And so he made us a digital illustration of an upside-down cupcake that says, "Some of us leave stains in high school. Some of us leave stains later in life." Uh, It really just absolutely filled my heart with joy. Uh, Hannah, have you gotten a chance to look at it yet?
1: I am. I'm looking at it right now. It's amazing. (laughs) I love Um, the shadow. The shadow of the, of the stain <laughs> is
0: really good. It's really delightful. So, uh, listeners, uh, I will post this on our Twitter because we have a Twitter. Um, and you can find us at 28 Days Later. You can look at this beautiful piece of art. And if we get enough listeners, maybe we will uh, make a beautiful pastel yellow T-shirt uh, with this uh, illustration on it.
1: <laughs> oh, you know what? Also, maybe um, I'll try to send you that uh, video. You could put that on there as well.
0: Oh, your wig video?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I would love that. Um, I think our listeners would love to see you in a wig disparaging your own wig. <laughs> um, well, Hannah, I'm kind of curious, and we didn't talk about this up front, so uh, if this catches you off guard, we can kind of skip through it, but we are in 2020. Did you Do you have any resolutions for the new year? I do not
1: have any resolutions. I am... Um, so hung over that even asking me that question has filled me with a furious rage
0: oh no that was not my intention um
1: (laughs) what are your resolutions
0: so I am um you already know this because you are a vegetarian and my partner is also vegetarian I am gonna try to not eat meat for the entire month of January
1: oh wow one month yeah,
0: I, wow, Hannah, wow. The the purpose of this, so I already don't eat meat at home because Jeremy and I cook together, so we don't, I don't cook myself like a separate meal. But I feel like whenever we go out to eat, I will intentionally seek out meat dishes because I don't get to have them at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like to try in 2020 to eat less meat overall um, and try to cut down to having meat like very, very infrequently So it feels like if I can do one month where I don't eat any meat, then I know that, like, there are things at different restaurants I like where I – because I think my default is sort of to be like, oh, this vegetarian option at a restaurant sounds interesting, but I would rather have chicken. And, um, for example, like, on January 1st, we went to a potbelly, and I was devastated because I was like, the only thing I like here is their chicken salad sandwich. And then I had their Mediterranean flatbread, and it was – a game changer dare i say better than the chicken salad but i had never tried it because i got the chicken salad every time so i'm hoping this will sort of be a gateway to me eating less meat overall i would also like to read more because uh you having grown up with me know that i used to read incessantly as a child and i pretty much never read anymore as an adult
1: you were reading yeah also you even saying potbelly literally makes me feel like homer simpson when he goes like, oh, <laughs> I
0: usually have that reaction to the name, too. It's just like, I'm for like, those of you that don't oh. live somewhere near a potbelly, I'm so sorry. It is um, one of the best places. My to eat New Year's
1: resolution world. for 2020 is to eat more potbelly. <laughs> I love that resolution. Just came um, up with it right now.
0: I'm going to become
1: like a member or whatever is their like app or fan program. Uh, yeah, they, they
0: I have their app on my phone and you earn smiles as you um, spend what? money and then, yeah. Oh my God, that's so
1: sweet. And then when you hit a
0: certain number of smiles, you get free cookies and stuff. <laughs> so, free
1: cookies? Yeah. Oh my God. Everyone's new,
0: new year's resolution, join the Potbelly, uh, rewards program. It's great.
1: This is not a paid advertisement. <laughs> Although I wish it was. Potbelly hit us up. If we could if we could score that, I would be so happy. Yeah. Um, all right, well are you
0: ready to discuss what we're actually here to talk about, which mm-hmm. is Jenny Slate's 2019 stand-up special Stage Fright? I am ready. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, this is Jenny Slate's stand-up special. It's streaming on Netflix. It's called Stage Fright, and it was released in the later part of 2019. I think you said
1: October. Yeah, of it was 2019. Like late October 2019.
0: Um, so I watched this stand-up special when it came out, and uh, I, you know, Hannah and I had talked about within this show sort of having a semi-regularly regular segment where we talk about women we admire, and Jenny Slate has always been someone who I really appreciate in everything she's in. She's one of those actors where whenever she pops up in a TV show or a movie, even if her role is small, I get really excited. Mm -hmm. And then whenever she um, appears on a podcast I like or something where she's being interviewed, um, I feel a lot of times like she's a person that when she speaks about her lived experience, I feel very um, this sounds so hokey, but like I wish there was a better way to say this. I do feel very seen by the way she talks about things sometimes. Um, so I loved this stand-up special, and it's kind of a neat special because it is basically they they did a one-hour special where it's a mix of her doing stand-up and also sort of a um, documentary talking to her about her um, stage fright, which is a very real experience that she has. That's kind of debilitating for her, as well as sort of interviewing her family members and seeing, like, where she grew up and old um, home videos of her as a kid. So I picked this. Um, some might remember I picked this without discussing it with Hannah first and sort of just announced that we were going to do it. Um, so, Hannah, what did you think of this special that was sort of uh, foisted upon you without your without your knowledge?
1: Um, I uh, also I wanted to say that I – well, first off, I just wanted to say I absolutely agree with you on uh, what you said about her – making you feel, like, seen with mm-hmm. her comedy. Um, yeah, I really, really liked it. I was laughing out loud the whole time and also, like, really relating a lot to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I guess we'll get to it, but her grandmother and the story about her grandmother calling her all the time mm-hmm. was absolutely amazing um, and also, like, made me tear up uh, just because... Like, we have a a grandmother who has passed, like, a long time ago, um, who was just, like, similarly epic, uh, Mm -hmm. and that made me kind of emotional. Yeah. Um... Especially because there's that part where she's, like, trying on her grandmother's old dresses. It reminded me of when we were little, like, putting on our my mom's, like, earrings and hats and stuff.
0: Oh, my gosh. I know. I had the same thought. Also, just, like, watching her. So, the sequence Hannah's talking about is Jenny Slate is trying on some of her grandmother's, like, clearly, like, beautiful old gowns that are just, mm-hmm. like, immaculate in beautiful condition and sort of like, dancing around the bathroom in these beautiful gowns while her grandmother tells her how beautiful she is. And as I'm describing that, it probably sounds, like, really um, trite and silly, but it's not. It is this beautiful, genuine... I think that's the best, for me, the best word to describe Jenny Slate. Like, she's just so genuine all the time. Yes. She just, like, is unapologetically herself and I think we'll get into it as we go like she is someone who suffers
1: from anxiety and so that's literally a quote also from uh her movie obvious child
0: yeah she just like is always
1: unapologetically yourself up on 100 percent like
0: and I had the uh this this was not planned but you you sort of saying that is um I had the experience recently where I was out to coffee with my boss and my boss and I um get along really well and he is the best kind of supportive supervisor where it's very important to him that I know how valued I am as a part of the team and that I don't feel like because I am on the younger end of people in our office that I like have less to bring to the table. He really wants me to feel like I am like valuable and smart and offer something that everyone else doesn't have, which is like I know is not everyone's experience and I'm very grateful. Um, But he had, so he and I get along really well, and because we have this relationship, I feel very comfortable being honest with him when I disagree with something that he's saying or something that we're doing on a case. Um, And he recently told me um, that I am insufferably honest. (laughs) And he was like, that sounds like an insult, but it's not. He's like, I just, I always know that you're going to tell me, like, if you think I'm wrong, you're going to tell me. And you're not going to sugarcoat it. You're just going to be like, that's not, you're not right.
1: <laughs> that's amazing. Um,
0: I had a thought watching this comedy special that you like. stuff
1: like that. And then people tell me a lot of the time that like, I could be a, like a sex worker if I wanted to. That I give off that energy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wait, before you say people tell you that, it was a person who told you that. That I is think. not
1: true. I've been told by three different <laughs> men that have said that I could be, like, a really classy, upscale <laughs> sex worker.
0: Well, I mean, like, that's a that's a valuable vibe.
1: I feel like I would be – I'm, like, way too uh, picky and self-conscious for that, but, like, I guess that's good if I give up some kind of energy. Well, but also, can I just say that, like, both of those thi- – so I think, like,
0: you and I are both people who, like um, – and I shouldn't just, like, I shouldn't just make this specific to you and I. I think that one thing I wanted to talk about with this episode, because I think Jenny Slate sort of touches on it a little bit, is, like, the way that women are sort of raised to handle various situations. And I feel like our mom talks about this a lot, that, like, um, as women, we're sort of socialized to make other people feel comfortable and to... um like be very deferential. And I think that, uh, despite your sort of like being self deprecating in this moment, I think that both of those things like speak to a level of confidence. Mm. And I don't mean that to belittle what's being said to you. Like, I think there's a way that you interact with people that is so like, whether you feel this way or not is so like confident and comfortable in the person that you are. Um, That, like, I get why people say that you have that energy, but in a different way. Does that make sense?
1: I've truly never felt more confident and comfortable than in the ball on the floor that I am currently in. (laughs) There's a cat licking my foot.
0: Um, Also, I had the thought watching the special, I had the thought watching the special because like I said, it sort of cuts between her doing stand-up. So when she's doing her stand-up, she's wearing this, like, I just want to take a second, I don't want to be one of those shows that it's, like, she's the woman, so we have to talk about what she's wearing. But she is wearing this stunning, like, satin, like, satin black top and bottom set that, like, Mm -hmm. with, and it's, like, unbuttoned enough that you can see, like, her black lace bra underneath. Um, It truly was, like watching it i felt like um that's all i ever want from my overall style it was like so glamorous and elegant and great anyway the the thing i wanted to say watching this was um hannah we sure do love a woman in a big cozy sweater Mm -hmm. (laughs) like after watching uh secret obsession every clip from the documentary part of this is jenny slate in some kind of like decadent sweater just being like very cozy and i was Always like that i think that's
1: it, wrapping it around herself
0: yeah that's the vibe that we uh that we live in over here at 28 days later
1: a nice cozy sweater for uh, for christmas at greenwood you did
0: you did and i wore it Big i've already worn it sleeves. several times
1: several start rating times things that we watch uh based off
0: of the level of cozy sweaters. Like <laughs> right. We that, that can hat. be our new arbitrary ratings. We'll be like, this show is uh, two Bloody Marys and one cozy sweater. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so when, the way that I uh, sort of made this sh- uh, special appropriate is that uh, she does talk about the fact that she grew up in a haunted house. Mm-hmm. Um She doesn't talk about it that much in the special, but I remembered, I've heard, I had heard several interviews with her before watching this where she talks about it, Um, but like coming in hot on the spooky stuff, she sort of talks about the, um, the experience of being up on stage and she's like, isn't it weird that we're just like a bunch of skeletons sitting in a room? I love
1: that. When she (laughs) impersonated what skeletons look like when you laugh.
0: And she just, like, jiggles really hard. She just, really like hard.
1: shakes and goes... A, 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 a <wh spookyweeping background> Elsa, and
0: she talks about, like, isn't it weird to think about this room as just, like, a giant dark room full of skeletons with a red curtain?
1: <commence> <laughs> that was <laughs> um, amazing. It's and, so good. And, um, just, like, a fun fact for people that don't know me, I guess, that well, is that I also, like, kind of collect skeletons. Oh, yes. Um... Or like I have a pet skeleton. His name is Napoleon because he only has one hand. Um, His name
0: is Napoleon Bonaparte because he's skeletal yes, skeleton. He's with a one
1: skeleton hand. Because he's and he only has one hand. And um, like he's he's been on a road trip with us before, riding, riding in the center console. So he's a big part of my life. One time I like had a had a guy over for the first time, and Napoleon who had been sitting peacefully on a shelf for like a year at that point just fell off the shelf out of nowhere and I was like oh no (laughs) he's trying to tell me something (laughs) um anyway but yeah as a as a lover of skeletons I really liked her shout out to all the skeletons right in the room
0: so I want to know since you had not seen the special before were there any jokes or like sentiments that really stuck out to you
1: um, yes. So I actually like I was keeping sort of a like a, a little tally um, mm-hmm. in my notes. I just have to like pull it up real quick. Well, I loved when she said uh, the thing about like <clears throat> like just like the initial shock of being in the room and everything, and something that I also felt sort of rings true for like anxiety in general. When she said she felt like a turtle with roller skates on, realizing that things could be fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought that was amazing. And I feel like that is such a great way to describe feeling overwhelmed in so many situations where it just feels mm-hmm. like all of a sudden you've got roller skates on all your limbs and you're on your back and you're just like, what's happening to me? Yeah. Um, I loved also um, a lot of her comments about just like uh, gender and uh when she said the patriarchy is destroying the planet um she said that's not how i wanted to start this but it's how everything will end so (laughs) yeah i really love that when she's
0: like i'm from planet earth which has been destroyed by the patriarchy (laughs) yeah which was
1: amazing (laughs) and when she talked about living in la where um talking about how men want you to be like she said they want us to have their babies but not to be supple or bulk up
0: (laughs) Yeah, like, I sort of love, she talks, she, I think what's so great about this special is that, um, and I like it, I like it both ways. I think there are a lot of female comedians who are putting out amazing specials where they're speaking super um, straightforward about gender dynamics and feminism, like Michelle Wolf and Alana Glazer both put out specials in the last month or two that are amazing and sort of tackle feminism and gender performance and how those things interplay within the society we live in. Mm -hmm. And both of those specials are amazing, but I think they address things in a really head-on way. And I like how Jenny Slate's special seems to touch on a lot of these issues from a very personal lens. It's like, this is how, like, here's this bigger issue and here's how it's impacting me specifically. Like, there's this one one of the jokes that I have heard from this uh, special, uh recorded and sort of replayed several times as she tells this joke about going to the gym Mm -hmm. um so jenny slate talks pretty openly about struggling with anxiety um and i am someone who also uh i have a generalized anxiety disorder and recently within the last year started taking meds for that which has been a really beneficial thing to my life um but she sort of talks about the idea that Anxiety is one of those things where I think people and I think depression is probably in a similar vein where people who don't um, know that experience feel like, oh, well, there's there's an easy fix. Just like go do X, Y, Z and you'll feel better. And so she talks about how people would tell her to go exercise. (laughs) Um, And she's like, yeah, but I also used to smoke a lot of pot. And so I would be like having these terrible anxiety attacks and I'd smoke a ton of weed and then I would go to the gym and she tells this joke where she's sort of like spiraling about how like she hates being at the gym because it makes her think of unrealistic body types and what the expectation is for a woman and that like the source of her power is in her pussy and that like all of this makes her pussy hurt and then she's like oh no I'm just really high and my thong's on backwards (laughs) which like makes me laugh so hard because none of the stuff she's saying before that is wrong. Those are all like real things that she's experiencing. And then she kind of like deflates it by being like, Oh no, I just put my underwear on backwards.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I really love the segment where she talks about football. Yeah. Um, As someone who doesn't watch football, she sort of talks about how, She doesn't watch football, but she likes to imagine stories about football. And so she's describing like the um, the and she does this thing, I think, really beautifully that is not mean, but it's sort of like deflating the masculinity and like absurdity that surrounds football that like the idea is these like big bulky men are going to be big and bulky and just smash into each other because that's what the game is about. Mm -hmm. And she's like, they're just best friends. And they're going to all wear matching outfits because they're best friends friends. and they're going to go chase the toy.
1: (laughs) I love that. When she's
0: like, and then I just like to imagine they have the locker room where their other clothes are. And Tom Brady is next to Gronk and he's like, Gronk, you're my best friend. If I get the toy, I'm going to give it to you. (laughs)
1: She's like, isn't it nice that they get to just run around with their best friends?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's really great, and and she talks a lot about how like they wear a cup to protect their genitals. But and she's like, they haven't quite figured out the hat, but they're gonna keep those dicks and balls safe.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Um, we should stop now and say like, we'll jostle those, but make sure that their dicks are safe.
0: Um, If you have not already watched this stand-up special, as I said previously, it's on Netflix and, like, you should watch it. It's delightful. Um, But I want to talk a little bit about one of the things that she gets into towards the end of the special is it's her being interviewed backstage a couple hours before the show, talking about what her stage fright is like.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And right after this special was released, there's a podcast I listen to called The Cut on Tuesdays. Um, And they interviewed her. If you're interested, that episode came out November 12th. And I think it's called Jenny Slate is a seasoned professional. But they sort of interview her about this special and just about like anxiety and stage fright. Um, And she talks about him. I'm sure you know this because you're um, a big fan of SNL. But other people listening may not know this if you don't know a lot about SNL or Jenny Slate. But Jenny Slate was very briefly on SNL. And in her first episode, she yet said fuck on air um, mm-hmm. and was not on the show for very long. And in this interview on The Cut on Tuesday, she sort of talks about how she didn't have stage fright until that happened. And that that mm-hmm. sort of like short experience um, really changed the way that she saw herself. And after that, she now has this stage fright. She talks in the special about how like th- She has all kinds of physical symptoms where she'll get seriously ill and have diarrhea and just like be really stressed out all day about the show. And the thing that struck me so much, because I think pr- myself and probably a lot of people listening, like I don't do a job where I'm on stage performing in front of other people, but I think the way that she talks about her stage fright makes it feel like a really relatable experience that can be translated to other situations. So she sort of talks about the idea that her stage fright is so debilitating and she gets so worried that like being on stage is is a thing that she loves doing, Mm -hmm. but she's worried that she won't allow herself to just experience that joy of being on stage. And then before that even happens, she gets angry at herself for the possibility that she might not allow herself to experience it. Mm -hmm. Um, And she talks about feeling like, you know, she, being on stage for her is like she has to earn the audience's love by doing something great or something funny. And I think whether you perform or not, um if you are a human being, but maybe particularly if you're someone who identifies as a woman, like that might be an exp- that experience felt really relatable to me. The experience that like I think in some ways like as women we're sort of always performing like um You and I had a conversation with a male friend several years ago about the idea that, like, we had gone out to a bar or we had gone out to dinner with our family not intending to then go out. And then the plan after that changed and we went out to a bar with a lot of people that we went to high school with. Um, And we both, like, had not dressed in a way that we would have dressed if we were going to go out. and We both had our glasses on, which we were super self-conscious about. And we were sort of talking about feeling like there's the expectation for women to go out in public is so much higher that like you need to like your hair needs to be done. You don't wear Mm -hmm. your glasses. You do your makeup. You look super cute. And so a lot of the stuff that she's talking about as far as stage fright, like really, um, really resonated with me just as like being a woman in the world, feeling like I have to earn the like respect and admiration of people around me by like being on my A game. Physically and mentally all the time.
1: Yeah. Which, I mean, not, like, to bring us back to way in the beginning, but that is also very relevant to, like, how I felt on New Year's, where I just, like, Mm -hmm. felt like I couldn't get my, like, appearance to be where I wanted it to be. Right. And then that was making me feel like I couldn't even go out in public unless Mm -hmm. I looked, like, some way that was perfect to then make me be able to have like a good time after that.
0: Right. And I love like she sort of talks about very briefly just sort of um mentions and I thought this was so important like the idea that because she feels anxious then she gets angry at her at herself and I mm-hmm. think that if you're someone who struggles with any kind of mental health that's probably a thing you've experienced where like you we can be so judgmental about our own feelings and I think like it's really important to remember that like your feelings when they happen you I think it's important as someone whose background is in social work and someone who suffers from anxiety to sort of honor that feeling and it doesn't mean that you need to like wallow in it and sort of get stuck like if I have situations where I get angry or anxious where that's maybe not the most reasonable response But I I don't help anyone by then getting angry at myself. It's more Mm – for me, it's more helpful to sort of say, like, okay, let's, like, look at this emotion and, like, allow it to have some space and then try to move forward instead of sort of being, like – because otherwise you just, like, spiral and keep getting more and more upset and frustrated with yourself for just having feelings, which we're all going to do. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I uh, also have – some experiences with anxiety and um, I feel like I had a originally when I was in high school I had a therapist who always used to tell me like if I was having an anxiety attack to tell myself like it's just not real
0: Mm. to make
1: it go away Mm -hmm. and um, like for years that was my strategy was to basically like tell myself it's not real Or, but I feel like that then sort of like Fostered like a an internal frustration with myself every time, I'm right? Because
0: you're denying a thing that you're feeling that you don't really have control over.
1: Yeah, exactly. And um, it wasn't until literally like probably about two years ago when I had a different therapist as an adult who was like, "What? Who told you that?" <laughs> like, right? Um, it's and was like, "It's so much healthier and so much better for you to like recognize." what's happening and like allow yourself to feel that way mm-hmm. and like give yourself a break for feeling that way instead of trying to like scream in your own brain. Like it's not real to try to make right. it go away.
0: Yeah. So I, like I mentioned earlier, I went, um, after years of being sort of resistant, you know, like my background is in psychology and social work. I have tons of people in my life who take meds for various mental health uh, concerns and issues and, like, I know several people for whom meds have been really transformative and amazing. But for some reason, whenever I thought about going on meds for my anxiety, I was like, no, 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 I can handle it. I don't need to do that. Um, and so I went on meds, and they have been so life-changing for me. And I remember um, maybe within the first month or so, I started having this this symptom where um, I'm someone who has generalized anxiety disorder with panic – And um, I was having panic attacks before I started taking meds um, probably three to five times a week at varying levels of severity. But I just was like always on the verge of a panic attack, it felt like. And panic attacks were something that felt really normal, um, despite the fact that they could be really debilitating. And once I started taking meds, I stopped really having panic attacks during the day. But I would sometimes have panic attacks at night where I would wake up from being asleep and I would be in the middle of a panic attack. And I remember being at therapy one week and talking to my therapist and telling her, you know, like, I woke up and I was super panicky. And as I'm talking to her, my whole body is tensing up. And I'm telling her, like, I'm laying in bed trying to make it stop. And she she stops me and she says, okay. She was like, As you're describing this your whole body is tensing up i had made my hands into fists i'm sort of laying there like one coil of muscle and stress and she said when you have a panic attack it is natural to try to like make it stop she's like what i would like you to try is when you have a panic attack just sort of say okay this is happening and sort of like observe it and 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 let it happen because the more that you fight to make it stop the more anxious you're going to make yourself. Um, And I remember, I can't remember who I heard this from. There is a really delightful podcast called The Hilarious World of Depression that is comedians who suffer from anxiety and or depression talking about sort of their journey with their mental health. And someone on that show, and I can't remember who it was, so I apologize, talked about sort of, treating their anxiety like a house guest that you don't really want to be there and sort of Mm -hmm. like the the anxiety shows up and you're like okay hi like I see you what's up and then they'll leave but the more you try to like make it leave you know the more that I was white knuckling to make the anxiety stop the more anxious I was making myself instead of just saying like okay panic is here we're gonna sit with this for a second and then you know let it let it subside.
1: Uh, My friend Karen told me a story that she heard um, either on a podcast or read in an interview that uh, Bill Hader told about being on Saturday Night Live um, mm-hmm. and that he also struggles with anxiety and that he was having um, like an anxiety attack uh, at, on an episode where Jeff Bridges was hosting mm-hmm. and uh And if you're familiar at all, I mean, I know you are, but if people listening are familiar at all with the um, the movie Surfs Up, we when when Karen tells me this story, we always like to imagine it like Big Z from Surfs Up, (laughs) since that's yeah Bridges' voice. Uh, But he basically like went over to Bill Hader and asked him like if he was okay, and Bill Hader was kind of like, yeah, I'm just um, I'm having like a bit of an anxiety attack, like I'm trying to make it stop. And uh, I'm not going to get this quote exactly right, but basically Jeff Bridges was like, don't do that. Like, that's your buddy, man. Listen to your buddy. Mm-hmm. I like <laughs> um, that. Yeah, and it's like, it's a, it's uncomfortable and it might be, like, painful, but, like, it is a little buddy that you have with you. Um, and sometimes you have to, like, learn to recognize your little buddy and give it some space instead of just trying to like shut it down or make it go away
0: yeah i love that i love that a lot um and it's interesting because like i said like i I listened so i re-listened after watching the episode again or the special again to her interview on the cut on tuesdays which again i would recommend it's pretty short it's only about a half an hour but She talks about the special, but also her mental health in general. And Mm -hmm. she talks about how one thing that helps her with her anxiety is the idea of like nesting. Like she doesn't like a lot of clutter. And when she's traveling, she wants to sort of feel at home. Mm. Um, And I actually had and I had that experience over the holiday. This was the first year that I was um, with my partner and his family for Christmas and Christmas Eve. Um and that was a really wonderful experience and I'm so glad that I did that but it was hard for me to not be with our family on Christmas Eve because for every year of my life that's what I've ever that's all I've ever done. And so on Christmas Eve I was starting to feel a little bit bummed out and I remembered, you know, it's been a little over a month since I listened to that interview with her, but I really took it to heart when she talked about nesting because that's a thing that I do mm-hmm. that I had never sort of like named. Um And so I just took a break from everyone for about half an hour and I put on a podcast that makes me happy. And I went into the room where I was staying and sort of like organized my stuff so that it because we had sort of arrived at their house and and everything had kind of exploded. There's just like our suitcases were everywhere. So I took about a half an hour to go just sort of like fold and organize and make the space feel homey. Um, and that did so much for me. And I, that's something that I really appreciate about um, about this special and about um, the conversations that are happening around mental health, whether it be interviews with celebrities or just like with your own friends. I think it can be so helpful to hear people talk in a very normalizing way about things you're experiencing. But also you can learn ha- – or not habits, but strategies that are really helpful mm-hmm. or even like learn that a thing that you're doing – Um, without knowing it, is helpful for you. Like, I had never realized that nesting was a thing I did. Like, I did do it, but I had never called it that. And now, like, when I feel anxious, I can be like, I'm going to take half an hour to straighten up this one space because that Mm -hmm. makes me feel more calm.
1: Yeah, that's cool. It's kind of funny, though, that that she called it nesting because when I was younger and I uh, was, I have been struggling with depression since I was in, like, seventh grade, Mm -hmm. was when our dad first sort of picked up on it and wanted me to, uh, go to therapy and kind of check it out, um, but our dad always used to say that when I was really depressed that I would nest, but that was Mm -hmm. more because I just would take, like, everything and put it on my bed and kind of put it in, like, a circle around me. (laughs) Yeah, so that I didn't but you want the things that make all. you feel,
0: right. The <laughs> things that make you feel secure are all within physical proximity to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But
1: that would be something that our dad would always kind of, like, if he came downstairs and there was, like, a circle of, like, books and DVDs and clothes <laughs> and stuff right around me in bed, he'd be like, you yeah, okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, so so I have to consciously sometimes, like, if I see that I'm doing that, be like, hold up what's going on
0: (laughs) right but that's a really good what a blessing to have someone close to you say like here's a thing that I've noticed that you might not be aware of Mm -hmm. that seems like a sign that you should be paying attention
1: yeah well and then like when I moved into my current apartment with where I have three roommates like I told two of my roommates I was like hey this is sometimes a sign of Mm -hmm. me if I'm kind of kind of having uh, like spiraling out a little bit or having an issue with my depression.
0: So mm-hmm. every now
1: and then sometimes they'll poke their head in my room and like check my bed. And they'll be like, bed check. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I love that.
0: I-, 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 I hope that we get to a place where and I do feel like we're moving in this direction where mental health is something sort of something that becomes more talked about so that you can have people in your life that are like, I'm just checking in
1: yeah, like in a very sort
0: of casual, normal way. That's like, I just want to make sure you're doing okay.
1: Um, Also in a similar vein, um, she had also, um, there's a part where she talks about being an optimist and um, Mm -hmm. where she said, like, it's interesting because that comes way earlier in the special before she gets into her anxiety and her stage fright. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wrote it down because I was also like, wow, that's such a good... Like, it's a nice mindset, and it's a, it's something that I kind of want to keep in mind more. But mm-hmm. she said of her being... Like, of her optimism, she said sometimes I go to bed at night, or it's hard to go to bed at night because I'm so excited for the next day and what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. And... Um, because of my struggles with depression, I have issues with, uh, like, insomnia. Um, and I was, like, thinking to myself, like, in the future when I'm up really late or I can't sleep because I'm sort of spinning out on, like, certain feelings or certain thoughts, how it would be nice to think of that. Mm -hmm. And think of, like, what if instead how focusing on like whatever is uh, sort of plaguing me at the moment, it would be cool to try to focus on what the next day would bring and yeah. the excitement for the future that she talked about that I was like, that's actually, that could be a, you know, like a nice thing to try to keep in mind for myself in the future.
0: Yeah, sort of see yourself as that little boy in the Disney commercial who's like, We're too excited to sleep. <laughs> I talk
1: about that all the time. I know, I do too. <laughs> that little
0: boy. <laughs> that commercial was very sleep. transformative for our generation, I think. I've I feel like I am that little boy a lot of the time.
1: I feel like I quote that a lot and people between the ages of like probably like twenty-five and thirty-five are like, Oh yeah, oh my god, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, people get it. People get it. Um, one of the other things that stood out for me a lot in this special is she tells a joke about. <laughs> so Jenny Slade is divorced and um, she talks a little bit about that and her experience of sort of going through that. But she talks about going on a date after getting divorced and the guy showed up to the date in chain mail.
1: <laughs>
0: and she I forget exactly what she says, but she basically is like. I don't know, like, what he thought that made him think this was a good idea, but I would rather have any surgery than try to figure out, like, why he thought this was a good idea. (laughs) Um, And to me, like, that, again, is she's telling such a specific story, but it feels very relatable because I know that you and I have had conversations where guys do things that are not okay, and you try to like bend over backwards to give them the benefit of the doubt. That like maybe the fu- maybe they thought it would be funny. Maybe they meant something else. Maybe they were doing this instead of just being like, yeah, that was a weird fucking thing to do. Or like that was not okay. It um, was
1: also on a first date uh, was one of the times that someone told me like, well, as I said earlier, like literally told me like, you could be a really good prostitute.
0: That you had real real sex worker energy.
1: Yeah. Like well, it's like you and I words. talked about like, you yeah, like you could be a good prostitute. <laughs> like God. I
0: had, the, you know, this I had an experience not that long ago within the last six months where I was out walking. So I live um, sort of downtown in Kansas City, Missouri, and I was walking. Um, I had just left my apartment and was just like going out for a walk to get some some sunshine and fresh air. And um, the building that we live in is sort of catty corner to a hotel. And as I was leaving um, our building, I was walking in front of where the entrance and exit to the hotel parking lot was. And I noticed a car waited who had stopped in the middle of the street. Now, I thought the car had stopped to try to pull into the garage, so I was trying to like, move out of the way. And I had headphones in, but it became clear that he was not trying to go in the parking lot. He just wanted to, like, heckle me from the street. So I just kept my headphones in and pretended that I didn't hear him. And I kept walking. But this man proceeded to drive presumably a couple blocks into downtown, turn around and come back the other direction and stop again in the middle of the street to like yell at me. Um, And I called you sort of being like, in what universe, like, does he think this is going to work? And like, it was so unsettling and scary to have a man in a car follow me.
1: Right. But it was,
0: in some ways, like, even more upsetting to think that he had no idea that what he was doing yeah, was weird. Yeah, like he
1: thinks that that's acceptable. <laughs> we talk about right. that all the time. When it's like, what's your end game, bro? Like, yeah, you know, I was walking in Chicago one time, and I had a man. I was walking with the two boys that I nannied. Mm-hmm. And a man in a truck yelled at me, I'll put, a, I'll put another baby in you. Right. And it's like, what's your what's the plan, bro? You think I'm just gonna jump in your car and we're gonna go like, you're gonna put a baby in me? Like, what what is your what's your plan? Like, what right? In and your it head? sort of it's feels like, like this is a great move to do. Yeah, and all of that
0: stuff for me kind of came to the forefront with this joke because I know that ostensibly this guy showing up in chainmail is like a, a a harmless thing. Yeah. But I think the joke that she's telling sort of again like a lot of things in the special is like a weird and specific example that speaks to a broader thing cuz to me this speaks so much to the idea that like our society gives men the benefit of the doubt to just like do weird and creepy um and idiosyncratic stuff and we're supposed to think that it's like fun or cute mm-hmm. um when, like, women are not granted that kind of... Again, we talked about the sort of, like, performative nature of just, like, trying to leave your house as a woman. Uh-huh. Um, and the idea that men, f- like, just feel the level, level of comfort that they should be able to, like, do and say whatever they want, and we should make a reason why that's okay.
1: Yeah. Sort of like every... It's like uh, every time a, a guy starts something out with, I'm not trying to be creepy, or uh-huh. can I just say... You always
0: yeah. are like, "Oh no." <laughs> yeah. If you know you have to qualify it, this is a public and service announcement. Know, if sir. you're Yeah, <laughs> if you're a straight cis man and you start any sentence by saying, "I don't mean to be creepy. I'm sorry if this is weird." Like if you already know that, just shut the fuck up. Just Can stop I just talking. Tell you? Yeah, don't put that on us because you already know that first couple words you're saying is acknowledging that you know that what you're doing is not okay but you're putting the onus on the person you're talking to to deal with your inappropriate behavior and Mm -hmm. that's just bullshit
1: um also uh off of that like a part of the special that I really related to and also thought was hilarious was when she talked about um like her experience like going through puberty and everything Mm mm-hmm but she yes I felt
0: very very I loved it so much yeah
1: and like so she said she, like, she was talking, there, there are two things. For one, she was talking about how she didn't really hit puberty until she was, like, she said 16 and a half, um, which I really, <laughs> really did, too, because I I basically didn't even have, like, full puberty until, like, college. Like, I didn't even get my period until I was 17. So I don't think I, I knew that. What? I don't think I knew that. You didn't know that? <laughs> I didn't get my period until I was
0: 16, but I don't think I knew that it that you were similarly situated.
1: Oh yeah, I did not get my period until the very end of my senior year in high school.
0: <laughs> How weird is this? I I remember the exact date I got my period because it was on the birthday of a guy that I liked.
1: <laughs> Ew. <laughs> I got my first You're period like, November I'm 11th my freshman time. year of high school. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, you got so your, your year of high school?
0: Yeah, but I was 16.
1: Whoa, that's crazy. And I was 17 when I graduated high school.
0: That can't be right. Is that right? Oh, yeah, because your birthday's in the summer and mine's in the fall, so that makes sense. Yeah. Because I was 18 when I graduated high school.
1: So then Maybe I was 15 when
0: I got my period.
1: I was to say. Well... Wait, what's the exact date? Don't you remember? <laughs>
0: <laughs> November 11th, 2003. <laughs> I know
1: I got mine in the spring um, because I had to do a play, and I had literally just got my first period like a month before. Mm-hmm. And I had to wear a tampon so that like, people wouldn't see my honking pad through my like spandex I was wearing for the play. <laughs> and two of my friends had to... Like coach me through putting in a tampon for the first time.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, fair enough. That's a traumatizing experience.
1: Yeah, and then also, um, just to add, you know, to the TMI of it all, um, the first two years that I had my period, I had my period twice a month.
0: Yeah, that's not fair. So it was
1: like week on, week off, week on, week off. <laughs> for I have a very two dear friend. Fucking years and every doctor was like, "Your body's just figuring it out."
0: Yeah, I have a very dear friend currently who has basically had her period for the last couple months, and the doctors are kind of like, we don't really know why this is happening. It'll stop eventually. And she's, like, in her 30s. Holy
1: shit.
0: Being a woman is a delight. It's just Uh, a bloody mystery all the time.
1: (laughs) But, so, yeah, so I really, really related to, A, her being, like, I was a late bloomer, because I was a super late bloomer.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: To the point where, like, sometimes when I go home, uh, and even just now when I'm home for Christmas uh, people that I know from middle school and high school, every time they go a while without seeing me, they're like oh, I always forget you have boobs now, it's crazy
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, thanks? I'm like, guess. yeah, I'm
1: like, uh, yep <laughs> and that, it finally happened <laughs> um, but, sim- yeah, and like, similarly when she talks about um, being in the cafeteria when she was uh, in like I think end of middle school or early high school and she was wearing overalls and like a senior just screamed at her. Why do you look like a fucking baby? <laughs> <laughs> she was like something about. It makes me laugh so hard. Yeah. It's like she looks like something about my appearance filled him with such rage. He felt he had to scream at me. I felt like that was something that I got confronted with a lot because I was just so straight up and down. For all of high school, especially once I, like, had a growth spurt and I became really tall. Then I was just, like, mm-hmm. there was nothing there. And, like, people would comment on it constantly. Although usually it was, like, girls who were making fun of me for, like, being basically a boy. <laughs> right. But that is such a – I feel like that's such a universal <laughs> experience of when your body is, like, in development or – in my case, lack thereof, that everybody else feels like they have to constantly remind you when <laughs> you're like, I got it. Right. I'm aware.
0: <laughs> in case you're not aware, that's what your body looks like. We're just going to make <laughs> yeah. sure.
1: In case you didn't know you were like a child. <laughs>
0: um. So I do want to redirect us only you. slightly because the reason that I, quali- I made this uh, choice okay, although I think we're going to be a little bit uh loose with our Women That We Admire series, but Jenny Slate did
1: grow up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Jenny Slate did grow up in a haunted house and talks about it a little bit in this episode. Um and I wanted to say really quick that if you want to know more about that, she and her father wrote a book called About the House, sort of like talking about the house that she grew up in. And this is really neat. I didn't know this until today, but they released it through the Concord Free Press up in um, New England. And their print model is such that if you just go to their website, you can order a copy of the book for free and they just ask you to donate any amount of money to any charity of your choosing, um, which is really beautiful. And it's a book of essays and poems about their haunted house. But also, she was on a podcast that I had never heard of until I did research for our show called I'm Afraid That, where this guy like interviews celebrities about what they're afraid of and then talks to experts about it so the very first episode is about jenny slate who is afraid of ghosts and i learned that the fear of ghosts is called phasmophobia
1: um so she doesn't go into full detail name of
0: my future child (laughs) phasmophobia (laughs) Um, also if you're a star wars person it has a whole new meaning now because the lady from game of thrones who is in uh star wars as well is named phasma Um, The one that Finn calls Chrome Dome. So, anyway, for for those that, like, listened, watched the special but didn't know, I actually didn't remember that she goes into less detail about the ghost story in the special. But, essentially, she talks about how her dad found these letters under the um, stair running, the, like, carpet that runs along the stairs. He found all these letters um, and then eventually burned them. Well, apparently what happened is... They tore up this runner because her mom was worried about the dust and allergies and stuff. They found all these letters written to the woman, a woman who lived in the house some time ago, but not by her husband. The letters had been written by a sea captain. Um, And the night after they tore them up, her dad uh, is a poet and was going to like write some poetry uh, sort of inspired by the letters. So he put them in his office. And that night, her mom woke up and, like, could smell uh, pipe smoke and thought that her dad was smoking a pipe. And then, he turned, like, turns out he was in bed next to her. And then she was like, oh, well, he must have just been smoking a pipe earlier and left it lit. And he sort of walked to his office to check and just, like, saw a sea captain standing at the top of the stairs. <laughs> so then they burned the letters. And they, like, never saw him again, but they would smell cigar smoke in the house. Um, so so. But something that's kind of fascinating that they don't address in the special is that Jenny Slate is so afraid of ghosts, but she's mm-hmm. never seen one. Like, everyone in her family has seen ghosts in the house, but she never has.
1: Weird.
0: Yeah. And the the guy who hosts the podcast was like, Maybe, she was like, I think it's because they know I'm super scared, so they're just waiting to scare the crap out of me. And he's like, or they know you're super scared, so they just, like, want to leave you alone because they're worried it'll be too scary. <laughs> I know that you're super freaked out by ghosts. So um, I thought you would especially appreciate that in her episode of uh, the podcast, I'm Afraid That, Jenny Slate describes ghosts as being, she sort of like talks about what she believes ghosts are. And, you know, this idea, right, that ghosts are uh, spirits that have sort of unfinished business and can't really be in either world. So she's like, yeah, they're like the people at a party who don't know if they should come in or go or leave.
1: <laughs> and then she
0: said that ghosts are the ultimate loners. <laughs> <laughs> she, like, made the me laugh so, so hard. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so don't yeah. be afraid. They just, like, are so awkward. They don't know what to do, which, like, mm-hmm. we can relate to. <laughs>
1: Sometimes they're, like, the creepy guy at the party where they wait till you're alone.
0: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Um, yeah. So, yeah, um, that.
1: I may or may not have seen a ghost in our childhood home. As I think oh, you yes. have heard me talk about before. I have heard that. Um but that's for another time because I'm literally too scared to even talk about it.
0: Yeah, we'll have a ghost episode <laughs> and some it's other time. But right now. <laughs> do you have any other thoughts from the special that we didn't cover in our conversation?
1: Um I feel like we did a pretty good job. I think it's kinda hard to sum up a stand-up special like this, especially like it's just because it's right. like, it's so saturated with jokes that you want to touch down on every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Um but I feel like we got into a lot of like the the big picture parts of it. Um, yeah, so I feel pretty good about that. Um, how would you dance rate at the it? Beginning and when she was like, "I'm gonna get real honest. I'm horny."
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a great. It's a it is a phenomenal special. Um, it's really good. And I so, love what would you with her family? I thought that was really. Really oh i cool. know it was so sweet the segment oh we we should really quickly talk about this because we touched on it you touched on it but then we never got into it she describes that um two of her grandmothers are still alive and she sort of describes each of them and does an imitation of how they answer the phone and then she has two various grandmothers um, isn't that
1: what most people have is two grandmothers
0: most people oh yeah so both of her grandmothers are alive
1: not like you and I so come from divorced like parents, so we have a lot of
0: grandparents. Um, <laughs> yes, you're right. So both of our grandmothers are still living. But
1: I always um, think about, like, um, sorry, in, uh, you know, in, like, elementary school, when we would have um, Grandparents' Day. Mm-hmm. Like, my friends would be at the ta- – we would make, like, invitations to send to our grandparents, and my friends would literally send out two, and I would have to do, like, six, <laughs>
0: Yeah, just like 27. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do the rest at home. There's too many to do. It was just
1: like it was just like the teacher with a stack of paper next to me just sliding them for me to do my little thumbprints.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, and speaking speaking of our grandmother who passed away um, several years ago that you alluded to in the beginning, like shout out to my mom who would come to every grandparents' day and then we would all go home because it was a half day and dad would go back to work and my mom would just watch soap operas and then fall asleep on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Like a goddamn champ. Um, Yes. But I do want to say, like, so you talked about, so first of all, she does these impressions, and her impression of her one grandmother is so spot on that they then Mm -hmm. cut to her grandmother talking, and it sounds exactly the same, which, like, I didn't appreciate as fully the first time, but it made me laugh really hard this time. But she said, yeah, that what she says, her grandmother always says to her on the phone, which like I'm gonna start telling you all all the time on the phone. And listeners, like I challenge you to start saying this to all the people in your life that you love because I think it's such a beautiful thing. Is she says that her grandmother tells her, You're gorgeous. And it's not just that you're gorgeous, you're smart. And it's not just that you're smart, it's that you're good.
1: And you know what I'm gonna tell you on the phone?
0: That I'm a gold plated whore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, was that? Yeah, I I know. You're a
1: real gold-plated whore, mother. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. So, Hannah, how many Bloody Marys out of five would you give this special?
1: Um, I'm gonna go ahead and give this movie or this special. Honestly, I feel like I would give it like five Bloody Marys with a cozy sweater wrapped like a cozy sweater koozie mm-hmm. wrapped around. I about.
0: love that. I love that. Uh, Similarly, I was going to say five Bloody Marys plus one spooky Bloody Mary in the mirror.
1: (laughs) One spooky Bloody Mary smoking a pipe at the top of the stairs.
0: Yeah. So if you have not watched this special, like, I think, obviously, we are in agreement that you should. It's streaming on Netflix. Um, I think if you are um, someone who identifies as a woman and or someone who experiences different mental health, uh, especially if you have anxiety or depression like I just think there is so much um, vulnerability in this special that is like packaged in a really beautiful way and Jenny Slate I think as we said is just something that we admire very very deeply um, and appreciate so definitely take the time to watch this it is well worth your well worth your time
1: yes I I completely agree
0: Um, so Hannah are you ready for our famous segment in later news yes i believe that's the ticker tape (laughs)
1: um (laughs) i couldn't tell if that's what you were going for Um, it wasn't
0: but let's have that be our new ticker tape (laughs) (laughs) uh um so our in later news today I do. Our our story today is a little bit delayed because um a peek behind the curtain. We recorded both of our Christmas episodes before the holidays, so it's been a couple <gasps> weeks since tell we recorded it. Well, I want them to know because this this news story is dated mid-December and it's now early January. But mm. some people may not be aware of this, and I think it's something that everyone should know. Um so Barack Obama was um R. speaking R. at I mean <laughs> He's still alive. But yeah, R.I.P. to like the presidency being a a position that had any dignity or respect. More,
1: more years of
0: Obama. So, you
1: know,
0: right. At a recent talk about leadership in Singapore, Barack Obama said that women are, quote, indisputably better than men and that many global problems stem from men of older generations clinging on to power. Uh, He also said that he felt like if, um, here we go, direct quote, I am absolutely confident that for two years, if every nation on earth was run by women, you would see a significant improvement across the board on just about everything as far as living standards and outcomes. Um, If you look at the world and look at the problems, it's usually old people, usually old men not getting out of the way. Uh, so as we move into 2020, here's to old men, specifically old white men, just getting the fuck out of the way. <laughs>
1: um, also related to um, some of our in later news from Christmas that continued mm-hmm. to develop over the break. Um, I know I was talking about uh, Gabrielle Union getting fired mm-hmm. from America's Got Talent and uh, in an attempt to, I don't remember if I talked about this part as much, but in an attempt to, uh, wait, did I talk about this already about what Dwayne Wade said about his, um, his uh, child who may or may not be trans?
0: I think you told me about it, but I don't think we talked about it on the podcast.
1: Um, So Dwayne Wade has a child who is, experimenting with their gender um, and their gender identity. And in an attempt to, like, break up a lot of the harsh uh, criticism that was coming towards his wife, Gabrielle Union, they uh, they posted, like, a, a happy picture of their family from Thanksgiving. And people freaked out because his son was wearing uh, fake nails and a crop top and mm-hmm. makeup. And people were like, what's going on? How can you let your child do that? Um, And like a little closer to Christmas, uh, Dwayne Wade did a really awesome interview where he talked about how lucky he was to have a child who could teach him so much about the world and about how to be a better person and how to be a better father. Um, Mm -hmm. And he was like, I feel so lucky that I got like my kid. And like if I can do anything to encourage like my child to be the like their self and however they want to be. Like I'm honored to be a part of that. So that was also really, really cool.
0: I love that. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. So that family, just keep it up. They're doing great over there. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, so here's to a new year. Uh, Thank you all for being with us for our first couple episodes and we are so excited to start 2020 with, uh, with this small family. And we hope that we make it even bigger.
1: Yeah. And um don't forget to drink water when you go. Yeah. Out in the Always new year. drink water.
0: Um <laughs> Hannah, do you want to tell us about our homework for next week?
1: Um I would love to except that I forgot already what
0: it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well we'll call in a substitute teacher. So uh <clears throat> the homework for next week. Um so <laughs> because <laughs> Because the new uh, version of The Grudge was released this weekend, we will be discussing it for our show next week. And listeners of this show may not be aware that the Grudge 2004 version with Sarah Michelle Geller um, is one of the movies that A, got me into watching horror movies, but B, has continued to be one of the things that viscerally scares me the most. I think this is gonna be a really fascinating and traumatizing episode. I will murder you, Hannah. Um, <laughs> Hannah I will end this podcast right now I'll cancel it I'll I used
1: to do that it. to you when you were trying to go to sleep at night
0: <laughs> Yeah And it uh, it got old immediately And uh, everyone I know still does it to me And it's still terrible so, um
1: also um, For people who don't know about me I have not seen the original Grudge um, But John Cho has been a major Source of boners for me Since also probably about 2004 So <laughs> I'm pretty stoked about it for that reason. And I will definitely be bringing that up a lot when we talk about it.
0: (laughs) So get ready for our episode next week, which will be both um, horny and terrified, which I think, if we're all being honest, is sort of like the nexus that our fans want this podcast to sit
1: at. I was about to say, damn, we're coming up (laughs) with so many good autobiography titles for me today. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, we'll see terrified. you guys next. The Hannah Day
0: story. We'll see you guys next week at the corner of Horny and Terrified. <laughs> <laughs> and until then, Clink.
1: Clink. Clink. Damn it! One of these days we'll get it right. <laughs>